Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Standing up for what's right. This is The Roy Green Show. We have determined that after adjusting for the understated expenses, the deficit for 2018-19 should be forecast as $11.7 billion. It's almost like a game show. <laughs> we have determined that. Uh, it's not $6.7 billion, Premier Wynn. It's $11.7 billion, says the Auditor General, Bonnie Lissick. That's the Ontario deficit. That's not the best news that the Premier was going to get six weeks before the election. Hello, everybody. It's the Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Manitoba has a large deficit. Politicians will always give you the... Uh, they'll always give you the... Uh, Sunny side up. Uh, Saskatchewan, uh, around $500 million in deficit. We're talking to the premier tomorrow. He can, I'm sure he has the exact numbers. And uh, Alberta has a large deficit, but the finance minister of the NDP government says it'll all be fine and will be in surplus by 2024. And I don't think he'll be in office in 2024. It's interesting how politicians always project how things are going to change. 10, 20, 30 years down the road, as as though they're going to be around. Oh, no. What else do we have? Uh, uh, Oh, uh, BC has a balanced budget, but they have an NDP government, so you know where that's going. And get this, Quebec has a balanced budget. The province of Quebec has a balanced budget. Thank God for transfer payments is what they keep saying in Quebec City. So Ontario is deep in the hole and <laughs> Quebec is balanced. It's a busy weekend we have planned for you. We're going to talk to Dan Kelly, president and CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, about this budget issue and what it means to small business and all of us in just a second. But also coming up today is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Steve Day, the former commanding officer of Joint Task Force 2, and the founder and president of Radical Ventures, JTF2, is, of course, our national counterterrorism military unit, the best of the very best. And one of the first thoughts I had last Monday when the tragedy developed in Toronto was that there might be a JTF2 deployment to, to Toronto. I mean, I'm sure most of us thought ISIS or al-Qaeda Instead, it turns out to be something called incel. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to say this, and I'm not going to say it over and over this weekend, but I'm going to say it maybe once or twice, and here's the first time. I don't know why it became so necessary to focus on these creeps and give them some sense of 
what they would feel is legitimacy. Oh, we're part of a movement now. No, you're a bunch of creeps, misogynistic creeps. And I can't use the words I want to use on the air. We'll be talking to uh, Colonel Day about public safety in this country and about our borders. So that's coming up. And uh, Dr. Frank Farley, former president of the American Psychological Association, will, uh, uh, this is the one time we're going to talk about them this weekend, talk about these incel creeps. Lots and lots and lots today. The Premier of Saskatchewan is going to be with us tomorrow. Uh, Bobby Allen, a journalist for Philadelphia's NPR station, will be with us at the end of this hour. He was covering the Cosby trial. Mr. Cosby could get 30 years in prison. Gloria Allred will be speaking about Cosby tomorrow on the show. There's a whole lot coming our way. Dan Kelly is the president and the chief executive officer of the Canadian Federation of independent business. He joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. So, Dan, thank you for the time. $11.7 billion, says the Auditor General. Bonnie Lissick for Ontario. The Premier says, no, it's only $6.7 billion because we, we're, we're counting money that's in the, in, in, the, in the teacher's pension plan and another pension plan, uh, employees' union pension plan. What do you say? Well, look, if it's a question between trusting the Premier of Ontario and the Auditor General of Ontario, I'm, I'm going to pick the Auditor General. The, uh, the fact is, well, in addition to the fact that Bonnie Lissick is a fellow Manitoban, so, uh, you know, I, I trust her implicitly. Uh, the, uh, the fact is that, uh, that what's going on in Ontario right now is very, very scary for taxpayers. It should actually be very scary, Roy not just for the businesses and, and residents that are going to have to pick up the tab for these, these deficits in the future, today's deficits being tomorrow's taxes. But if I were an Ontario civil servant and the premier is saying, yeah, don't worry about it, the, the, pension, the, the pension plans are fine, and the Auditor General is saying something different, again, I would be pretty worried. And we've been saying this from CFIB, at CFIB for years. I know Catherine Swift has certainly spoken to you many times about this, but these public sector pension plans are ticking time bombs waiting for us uh, in future years as Canadians struggle to save enough for their own retirement we're going to have to start shoveling in huge amounts of new cash or to, to shore up some of these these pension funds for civil servants uh, for benefits that we could only dream of ourselves uh, but we're going to be on the hook for because many of them are dramatically underfunded and they're going to run as you say they're going to run out of money and at that time, they will need money immediately, and there's only one place that money can come from, and that's from the taxpayer. I think, I think Dan, I think too many people don't really, I may be wrong on this, but I think too many people don't make enough uh, or, or don't, don't make enough noise about deficits. It's almost become acceptable that governments will run deficits. It's happened so regularly that it seems to be routine, but it should not be. And as you say, today's deficits are tomorrow's taxes. You're absolutely right. I mean, look, I think when, when, the, when at the federal level, for example, during the last election campaign, when the books looked of the country looked like they were finally back into balance, uh, Trudeau made the case that uh, he was going to run three short-term deficits federally in order to get the economy, run, re, the, the engine of the economy revving, 
and then balance the budget in, in after after that. And I, I think Canadians are, are not afraid of deficits. Like many of us take out mortgages or, or have to take out a car loan or for, for some other important uh, purpose. So we're used to deficit financing or borrowing. I don't think there's a prohibition that Canadians have on this. But what we like to see is that governments don't run them indefinitely. And that, I think, is what's changed in Canada over the last little while, or changed back, perhaps, to the way that it was back in the 1980s. We now feel like we can run deficits almost indefinitely. At least that's what our federal government and, and the Ontario government have been saying. Uh, geez, after, you know, the, the, the Ontario government had been, had been uh, working reasonably hard, obviously helped by some tax increases, to try to wrestle down the Ontario deficit only uh, to observe that the fact that deficit financing worked for the federal government to pick up the, the mantle once again and say, you know what, we're going to chuck the whole idea of running uh, a balanced budget and go back into deficit spending. That's why I'm not sure that the premier is actually terribly upset about the fact that the headline is that there are big, big deficits, because I think that's actually what they want the public to know, is that they are prepared to, to spend money on all sorts of things, uh, and and perhaps take the wind out of the sails of the NDP that has t- traditionally been a little less afraid of, of deficit financing. So I'm, I'm not so sure that the Premier's upset by these headlines. Perhaps they even reinforce uh, the message that she's been trying to get out to Ontarians pre-election. Well, six weeks from now, we will know what the score is on all of that. But uh, to have a $5 billion differential between what the Auditor General says and what the Premier says is significant. And then let's not forget that Bonnie Lissick was the head of Manitoba Hydro, uh, and uh, or she was the uh, finance yep. person, right, the money person for Ontario Indeed. Hydro. And, uh, and, and so f- for the Ontario government to say she doesn't understand the hydro financing is just ludicrous. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, these hydro utilities uh, are, are themselves in big trouble, as is Manitoba Hydro at, at the moment. But uh, but yes, she certainly knows where the bodies are buried in in uh, in, in the in these deficit uh, spending uh, predictions that she's putting out. I think that there this this is uh, going to be a huge issue, regardless of who is elected in a couple in a couple of months' time. There are going to be major concerns. Any party is going to have to start to address this, and and at, at some point have to turn to the tax rules once again to try to get. Uh, to try to get the funding to try to wrestle these things down. Dan, the total debt in this country is out of, is, is out of whack. It's out of line. It's unmanageable. If you look at the federal ta- uh, debt, you look at the provincial debt, you look at personal debt, you look at uh, just just the, the, total, the totality of debt. When you look at increased interest rates, which is now happening, we know that five-year fixed mortgages going up uh, or have gone up with uh, RBC and TD, and they'll go over the rest of them. This is starting to this now the chickens are going to come home to roost. It'll be it'll be one or two chickens at first, but then the whole flock's going to arrive. <laughs> well, and look, we don't even have to look terribly far to find examples of that. Right now, uh, the, the the funding the the amount of money that we're paying on interest that Newfoundlanders and Labradorians are paying on their deficit exceeds the amount that they're able to put into into their into education, either post including both post secondary education. And primary education—that's pretty scary. That is scary. Even even with low interest rates, which uh, remain low, uh, we're spending. Provinces are spending more on deficits, uh, funding their deficits, their interest on their deficits and debt, uh, than they are on core programs. And this is why those that 
do care deeply about social programs and view that as a major priority should also be concerned about that. It isn't just fiscal hawks that should be worried about these kinds of things. People that care deeply about public services, wanting to make sure that, that, that our health care system is well-funded and supported and perhaps grown where there are shortages, or feel that there is more energy that's needed for the environment or, or more money that's needed for, for the education system, those, those folks should be concerned about this because what's happening already is that provincial governments are starting to see their expenses crowded out by the amount of money that they have to put in uh, to, to pay interest on the debt. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to say, as the governments announce, especially before an election, all these new goodies, uh, many of them are things that Canadians would view as priority, with priorities like, for example, uh, child care issues. Dan, can you can you can you hold that thought for a second? Sure. Okay, let me take a quick break. We'll come back with Dan Kelly, the CEO and president of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business on deficits, provincial, federal, and we'll talk more about what it means to the small business community because they're the number one employers in this country and what it means for you and for me. Don't go away. Proudly Canadian and making Canada proud. This is the Roy Green Show. Trust KPMG, trust Deloitte, trust ENY, trust the professional accountants and the professional civil service that have provided for these uh, initiatives. They are accountants and they are world-renowned firms. Yeah, but what's your point? The Ontario Finance Minister, Mr. Sousa. Tweet from Kathleen Wynne. I'm being trolled by her. Each time I open Twitter, it's the first tweet. The first tweet is Kathleen Wynne every day. And there's a tweet uh, from Kathleen Wynne. She's sitting with a Michigan governor, and she's saying that the Michigan governor and uh, and she are not waiting to see what happens with NAFTA as they move forward. So I, I tweeted, perhaps you should wait to see what happens with the Ontario election, though. Just a thought. It's just a, it's just a thought for whatever it's worth. Dan Kelly is the CEO and president of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. So, the world is spinning counterclockwise when Ontario is 11.7 billion in deficit and Quebec has a balanced budget. Uh, Dan, what what's the impact then now on on small business, on on your members, and then by extension on the rest of us who depend on small business in Canada? in large part, to move the economy forward? You know, the, the impact is, is pretty significant. The, uh, you know, and these, these chickens don't come home to roost immediately. It happens over a bit of time. As I said, there's, there's no panic about a short-term deficit, but we're now talking about an environment of long-term deficits, both federally and in, in several provinces like Ontario. When that happens, confidence that the, uh, the taxes will rise Starts to uh, to go it uh, starts to go down, and fear goes up. We already see, saw a big drop in uh, in the confidence levels of the business community in our most recent reading of our small business barometer. So that is on in and of itself a worry. But these these long term uh, forecasts 
uh, again, they start to spook uh, people that, that have to make long-term decisions. If you're looking to buy a new piece of equipment, you're looking to build a second location, you may start to think twice about whether or not the province that you're in or the country that you're in is the best place in which to do that. And when that starts to happen, obviously the economic opportunities, the jobs that, uh, that are associated with it uh, may, may be a question as well. We've already seen governments doing uh, a lot of little things, but the accumulation of those little things is, is starting to erode a lot of business confidence. We've seen carbon taxes uh, go up, and there's a five-year plan to raise those. We've now seen uh, a lot of people have forgotten that despite the fact that public sector pensions are dramatically underfunded, we start next year, Roy, with a five to seven year plan to increase Canada pension plan premiums every single year. That means on January 1 for the next five years, every Canadian's paycheck will go down and every Canadian employer will have to shovel in a whole bunch more money to match those contributions that comes out of the payroll system. Uh, and then when we start to, ta- and that's without even tackling any of the deficits that, that governments have created. It's really scary. When you put it all together like that, and uh, and you realize the deficit becomes debt, becomes taxes, becomes debt as well. When you put it together the way you just did, Dan, that is a, uh, that's a goulash none of us wants to uh, dive into. But <laughs> it's not as though we have much choice if they continue to spend as voraciously as they are spending, in order to maybe grab a few votes. I, I still believe that uh, what we need is pragmatic politicians who do the best for everybody. But then, you know, I'm, I believe in the tooth fairy, too. But it's, 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 it's something that we really need to pay very close attention to. And when there's a $5 billion difference between the province and the Auditor General, that is not something that should be ignored. Mr. Kelly, always great, great speaking with you. Thank you, Dan. Anytime. Dan Kelly is the president and the CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, the small businesses of this country, which supply more than 50% of the total jobs. So Premier Wynne was not exactly wise in assailing the small business community. Oh, they don't want to accept the $14 minimum wage. It's what they can afford as well, Premier, but, uh, you know, we're talking to you past tense now. There's six weeks left, and then, frankly, I don't think you're going to be in that position any longer. My number is 1-800-263-2428. 1-800-263-2428. Let me just ask you this. Is Ontario becoming a drag on the rest of the country? Financially? 800-263-2428. And do you have any confidence... I'm not going to ask that. Oh, yes, I will. Do you have any confidence in politicians keeping the books straight? And is when going to be around after June the 7th? 1-800-263-2428. Is Ontario becoming a drag on the rest of the country? 1-800-263-2428. Give me a call. He always got straight A's, but his report card said he talked too much. This is the Roy Green Show.
My number is 800-263-2428. 1-800-263-2428. And after our conversation with Mr. Dan Kelly of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, is the province of Ontario dragging the rest of the country down? And do you have any confidence in your politicians who are running deficits, or if they're not, that they won't? Do you trust them to run the money system in this country? We have about uh, 12 minutes for calls at 800-263-2428. And I have to ask you this. Do you think Kathleen Wynne is going to survive on the 7th of June? Do you think there's a snowball's chance in a hot place that she is going to be the premier uh, next year at this time? 1-800-263-2428. Mike is in Winnipeg. How are you, Mike? Very well. How are you today, sir? Good, sir. Thank you so much for your call. No problem. Um, Ontario is dragging the country down, just like the, the have-not-promised provinces were dragging Alberta down for years, and they were using, you know, in our Manitoba, for example, they used our financing policies, and Alberta got mad when public sector unions wanted to uh, come for a rate increase and say, well, in Manitoba, they're paying them this much, but the rest of the country was financing us. Yes, sir, and, and I fully understand why Albertans are fed up, why they're fed up with being lectured to, why they're fed up with having paid the bills for so many years, why they're fed up with having paid for infrastructure improvement or just general social program improvement in so many other provinces. And while they were doing that, they were being kicked in the backside and called oil shakes and all, so- all sorts of derogatory uh, remarks were being tossed at our, at, our, at our fellow Canadians in Alberta. If they're fed up, they, they've earned the right to be fed up. Those problems will solve itself in less than 24 months in Alberta. Um, in Ontario, very shortly that'll solve itself. But at the bigger picture in Canada, since Canadians don't want to give anything up, the only thing that I can see that would be a plausible solution to our financing problems is we're going to have to stop funding the foreign service. No more embassies in countries that don't, don't do business with Canada and eliminate foreign aid for up to 10 years to get our balanced budget under control. Why are we delivering foreign aid to China? I guess because they want to stay in the, in the, in the manufacturing pipeline, but we don't need China to manufacture. We're a pretty smart group of people. In China doesn't need... China doesn't our own fares. Hey, Mike, China doesn't need our money. Thank you for the call, sir. I appreciate it. 800-263-2428. Is Ontario dragging the rest of the country down? Do you have confidence, confidence that things will straighten themselves out as far as fiscal realities are concerned in the province of Ontario and elsewhere, wherever you are in Canada? If Mr. Ford wins on the 7th of June, he's still going to be living with an over $300 billion deficit, uh, debt. And there'll be a multi-billion dollar deficit. He can't, uh, Doug Ford cannot pull financial rabbits out of the proverbial hat. There's still going to be money necessary from the rest of the country. And Clark in Didsbury, Alberta, that means even with the financial difficulties Alberta is facing with a significant deficit, we'll still be expecting money from you. Oh, yeah. They just want to... Uh, I do remember the National Energy Program and watching this province die back in the 1980s. I mean, literally die. Yeah, Mr. Trudeau, the senior... And destroyed opportunity for an entire generation of Albertans. 
well, yeah. And the other problem was is that they took all the money and shoveled it into their budgets in Ontario and Quebec. <clears throat> and you have a problem with that, I guess. It? Nothing but abuse for the last 30 years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shutting down Energy East. Well, let's put it this way. If you put uh, pipeline out to the east, pipeline out to the west, we could be supporting our allies because the world is starting to get a little more unstable. The Americans are thinking of bombing the Syrian oil fields. So there goes the oil price. Well, we don't know what we don't know what who's who's thinking what. But I will tell you this: I tweeted earlier today, and it's gotten a lot of attention. And I just looked back to 2015, and you can find it very easily. If you don't believe me, you can find it very easily because it sounds unbelievable. But in 2015, Eastern Canada was importing 650,000 barrels of oil a day. Yes, it comes in from 650,000 from Angola, from Nigeria, from Algeria, from Saudi Arabia. Not exactly shining examples of human and women's rights. But and we have and you you know we have we I, you have the oil. We're fortunate enough to be our fellow Canadians in Alberta, and I don't know why this why 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 we're so dense, and don't take advantage of what is there for us. Appreciate your call. He's gone. Thank you for the call. London, Ontario, listening to AM nine eighty. Here's Mike. How are you, Mike? Hey, Roy. It's great to talk to you again. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. One billion a month in interest. Just think about it, Roy, If what we could do with a billion dollars a month. That's a thousand times a million. I hear them make promises like, we're going to give you $11.7 billion for this over the next three years. I'm thinking, if you didn't have this humongous deficit, that's only a month in interest. That amounts to nothing. That just gets blown away in the wind. But we don't hold them accountable. Don't we, don't, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't say no more. We don't... As, as, as Canadians, we are such uh, emotional flatliners when it comes to ordering the people who beg for jobs from us, who pay themselves very, very well for those jobs. We do not tell them what to do. Don't you just love Bonnie? Yeah, I do. I think she's terrific. I think she is terrific. I'm not surprised. Remember, let me just put this in one sentence for everybody, just a little reminder here. I'll say one person's name, Alan Rock. And then I'll say $2 million, and then I'll say uh-huh. $2 million. I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> hey, $2 yeah, million is going to cost us, and then it ends up being almost $2 billion, and today it doesn't exist. Yeah, so the gun registry. Yeah. Mr. Rock was on the air with me promising the National Gun Registry will cost a mere $2 million a year. <laughs> he told me that on the air. I remember very well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate the call in Hamilton, Ontario. George, how are you, George? Hi, how are you doing? Good, sir. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Listen, uh, you're absolutely right. These, uh, why are we allowing these politicians to destroy to destroy our country? I have a solution, and I don't know why it wasn't ingrained in the in the Constitution from the very beginning. What do you think? Let's say a politician, when a politician reaches um, a certain level of unpopularity. Mm-hmm. Let's say that level is forty percent. Recall? Or 38%. You're talking recall? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not. It's not. It's not really recall. What it is is that politician, when they reach a certain level of dislike, mm. and, and they are immediately replaced. Yeah, it all depends on who measures the dislike, let finish, George. Let me finish by somebody else in the in their party until the next election. 
Well, it all depends on who you measure, though. Who's going to say who will make up the 40 percent? That's well, the question. The public, the public will have to decide. Yeah. So would, that wouldn't be that difficult. Should we? Thank you for the call. Should we get rid of politicians who are not doing the job properly? Of course we should. Do we? No. We don't. We don't. And they're not destroying the country or, well, I might want to revisit that. Because after all, the man who's in the corner office and the prime minister's digs, Justin, Justin told the New York Times Canada is going to be the world's first post-national state. It's not sounding exactly like Mr. Trudeau's pulling for Canada. Robert in Kingston, Ontario. How are you, Robert? I'm bad, Roy. How are you doing? Good, sir. Thank you for the call. Please go ahead. Roy, I'm, uh, I'm flabbergasted. We got the... Ontario's got one of the best workforce in the world. We got tremendous people, uh, and yet we're financial basket case. We are. And we could turn this around really simple, stupid, stupid and easily. All we got to do is uh, let people use their own money, let them expand the economy, uh, stop trying to reinvent the mousetrap with all these government programs. Just make everything simple and sweet. Let give everybody a $2,000 a year tax-free allowance. It's uh, not they got a, they buy they have like a debit card they can buy goods and services tax free that would stimulate the retail economy run it 12 months of the year let people buy two brand new cars in their lifetime one before 40 one after 40 tax free that would get our automobile industry in Ontario as long as it's made in Canada cars it would just get us flying we would be so strong and so great but we got a prime minister and we got a premier neither one of them have have any economic background Trudeau was a is a, a failed drama teacher and a kindergarten teacher and when i don't think she's ever had a job in her life I well she was a i think I, I don't know that i i think she was a high school trust was she not a school trustee and then became a, trustee, an emily i don't know what i don't know her career I, and i shouldn't i don't want to comment on things i don't know i just think the premier's career is coming to an end but it'll oh, I mean, it won't be bad for her because she'll still be serving she'll be serving on boards and she'll have you know she'll have a a, a good rest of her life robert cool. you're absolutely correct sir thank you for your call we have skill, we have talent in the province of Ontario. We have, unfortunately also have massive debt that's been accumulated by governments that had no business doing that, except they wanted to get reelected. And it's not just Ontario, but Ontario is the, the poster child for irresponsible spending and now the uh, liberals want to get reelected. Well, it's not a snowball's chance in that warm place. When we come back, we're changing gears. Bobby Allen will be joining us. He's a journalist for Philadelphia NPR, and he was covering the Bill Cosby trial. We're going to talk to Mr. Allen about the three counts of felony sexual assault. And Bill Cosby could be sentenced to spend the rest of his life in prison. Stay with us.